Welcome to Do It For The Gram, an Enneagram podcast with your host, certified Enneagram coach, Milton Stewart, where we do it for the Enneagram, not Instagram. We make moves to improve our lives and those in our communities. So this episode starts our series on subtypes. It's been a long time coming for sure, um, but I'm super excited to talk about subtypes. So before you listen to this episode, you're going to need to understand the instincts and the passion for your number. So if you haven't listened to the episodes before this one on instincts and passion, Go ahead and check those out before you check this one out, because in order to get a better understanding of what's happening in your subtype, you really need to know what's happening in your dominant instinct. And you need to understand what your passion of your number is. And they kind of range throughout your emotional patterns in life. So intro music, let's get it because we're about to get into it. super excited to announce my new partnership with BetterHelp. This episode is actually sponsored by BetterHelp. If you are struggling, BetterHelp can help. You'll receive 10% off the first month when you sign on using betterhelp.com forward slash do it. So I'm super excited uh, about this partnership that me and BetterHelp have um, entered into because in this point where everything that we're doing right now to connect with people is more virtual, it is so important mental health. I think that aligns perfectly with Things that we're trying to do, things that I want to do, and um, anybody that I would refer or think that could be potentially beneficial to the audience. And I think BetterHelp is definitely one of them. BetterHelp is basically, it's online counseling or therapy. So you're able to actually get some counseling or therapy uh, depending on what's going on from licensed counselors and therapists around the country. And um, you get to be able to get some of that one-on-one mental checkup that you may need and BetterHelp's able to help you. So just go to betterhelp.com forward slash do it and you'll get a 10% discount for your first month. So what is a subtype? Subtypes, it is a type's passion and their instincts kind of multiply together. And they create this really interesting, very specific type of cocktail. So it's whatever your dominant instinct is combined with your passion. And so you also have a stack. So you have three instincts, which is social, sexual, and self-preservation. And they're all stacked in a certain way, meaning that they're ranked. So whatever the dominant one is, that means it's probably overactive. And whatever the repressed one is, that means it's probably underactive. And so the one in between is probably good. You probably utilize it in the right form, in the right way, in a healthier way. Then you can use your dominant and repressed one. So understanding the stack. Why is it important to understand the subtypes and your stack? So it's very important to understand it because there's a deeper understanding to you and your Enneagram number when you understand your subtype stack and what your subtypes are. And it gives you clarity around growth for you as well. And so it also helps you to see that your individual growth as a certain number may look a tinge bit different than another person's growth as that number. And also this helps us realize that all numbers don't look the same. 
all numbers, all people who are eights don't look the same. And the subtype is a big reason for it. Okay. That's a huge reason for it. Some types look like counter, they're what called what we call counter types. And what that means is that they internally are have the same underpinning issues and struggles and challenges of all of that number. But on the surface, they respond to it differently. They respond in a counter way than the other two subtypes do. So understanding the stack a little bit better, if your dominant instinct is on top and it's this one, there's a message in it. So for instance, if you're self-preservation and it's your dominant one, you have this feeling instinctually that I'm always in danger. There's always fear there. And as a self-pressed person who's dominant in that instinct, it took me a while to realize that. But in so many situations, I literally feel like I am in danger just about all the time, no matter where I go. I'm always trying to make sure that I'm safe in some type of way. Then the next one is social. If social is your dominant instinct, then you feel that I am no one without a group and status. So for socially dominant types, it's very important to remember that you are more than a social group or status, but that's the over active sense in the social instinct. It's overly active. That instinct, if it's dominant, it's overly active. And so you have to be aware of that. If your instinct is dominant in the sexual, it means that I am no one without a significant other. And so it's very important for you to understand who is sexually dominant, that in order to be somebody, it's not just, it's that you are valuable regardless of who you're with, or regardless if you have a significant other with you or not. So you have to be aware of that. Remember, the instinct is overactive if it's your dominant one. We got to be aware of that. So if it's your bottom instinct, aka your repressed one in your stack, for self-preservation, it means my life is not important. So if you have a repressed center that is self-preservation, you have to watch out because that means that you don't treat yourself with the proper self-care because somewhere in your instincts, a lot of times unconsciously, you don't believe your life is that important. For social, it is, I don't trust others, groups, causes, the collective, and humanity. So if that's your repressed one, you have to watch out for that because there's a natural inclination not to trust any type of group or big cause or collective or humanity. So you have to watch out because it's underactive. It's not in a healthy place. It's only looking at, all oh, these things are really bad, so I'm not going to join them and look at the negative sides of anything that could be collective or group effort. And then if your repressed center is sexual, then I am not interesting or attractive and intimate relationships may not be for me. So for those who have a sexual repressed center, in some type of way, they don't feel that intimate relationships are necessarily for them, possibly, and or they don't feel attractive and they just may not feel interested in it. So that is an issue. If your sexual instinct is repressed, that means that something is going on and it's not active as it should be making sure you engage in intimate one-on-one relationships in a healthy way. Let's get excited. Type seven. Remember the seven's passion is gluttony. Gluttony for the seven is this um, insatiable appetite for stimulation and excitement in their lives. So a majority of this information comes from Beatrice Chestnut and Uranio Pius by the way of Claudia Naranjo. When the passion of gluttony entangles with the instinct of self-preservation, you get a seven who is actually quite grounded because they are, they have a gluttony for physical things, um, material things that make them feel comfortable and safe. So 
This seven, the gluttony is for feeling safe, knowing where they can get their needs met. This seven knows how to get their needs met. This is one of the things that they are absolutely great at finding opportunities and getting them met in a physical way a lot of times. They're really good at networking because of their, um, not only their personality, but their ability to be practical and their energy that they bring to places. And so they usually have certain friends and certain people that they know where they can get their needs met, certain needs, opportunities, things they want in life, a person for this, I know a person for that. So they usually have friends or people that they know exactly where they can get their needs met. Remember, self-preservation, safety, comfort, physical, material type of things. And this seven is very self-focused, and it actually may be the most self-interested of the sevens, possibly of types, but is the most self-interested, most types. And so that can be a a definite blind spot, making sure that um, this seven has everything they need, but it can also be a blind spot to where they don't treat people and they don't necessarily attend things or do things if it doesn't somehow benefit them. And so these sevens have to be careful of it because it can run in the background. That's the tricky part. It's not necessarily upfront like, I don't want to go because it don't help me. It's more in the background. Sometimes it's like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't really see how I'm going to be excited or stimulated or like anything from that. So I'm just not going to go. So we have to really be careful of that. And then um, they're very good at finding opportunities. This seven, because they're practical, um, self-prayer is dominant. They are absolutely great for finding opportunities. It's, it's, it's a gluttony, it's an insatiable hunger to find those things. So part of finding practical ways to survive and to be safe and to feel good is to find opportunities that provide you in life with maybe an upper hand, financial, materials, um, different things that make you feel safe. Um, a lot of times this seven is works on being financially savvy, uh, to be honest, because it makes them feel safer. And so this seven is um, always making things happen for themselves. And I know from personal experience, this is really interesting because I didn't realize this was happening within me. And this is not always normal for everyone, but there's always some opportunities, something that this seven is going with, some group that they are affiliated with that's going to provide this opportunity. They're connected to this person who really likes them, who's going to help them, teach them, mold them. Um, but they're always making something happen. They have, they're very action oriented. And for some people and some sevens in this sense who may not know the subtypes and things may think sometimes that they're three-ish in a way and they have some similarities, but they can think that because they are always trying and making things happen. They're always doing something. So they usually have a lot going on. Their plates are usually always full with different activities and things that they're part of and things that they're trying to build for themselves um, and those really close to them. And so, like I said, creating wealth is another part of it. This seven definitely has a mind out for how can I actually create and build wealth? Because remember, it provides safety and security. And for a self-preservation type, that's what they like. This seven also, what's interesting, they collect people um, that help them get where they need to go. And so it's like they create almost like a good mafia. And so sevens generally have I'm going to call them not necessarily friendships, but they have a lot of good connections with people because generally their personality just lends to them 
one of the privileges of the seven personalities is that people just like it most of the time because of the energy, the positive vibes that sevens usually give off um, and they bring to different places. The thing is, though, sevens are not always necessarily necessarily friends with all these people. They may be acquaintances and the other person may feel like they're a friend of the seven, but to the seven, they're really not a friend. It's more of an acquaintance. So this seven in particular, the self-preservation seven, is a collector. They're, they're very specific on who they really allow to be close. Because remember, the one thing they do fear is actually going to uncomfortable emotions. And those things really can be painful for them. So they're really particular about who they really let into their close circle. And so self-preservation sevens, they collect people. They choose people. And like it's unconscious. This is the crazy part about it. It is almost kind of unconscious a lot of times. It's one of those things running in the background. You've collected friends who really benefit your life and that you can benefit their life as well. But it, it's it's a it's a small group. It's not necessarily a huge group in their relationships. And here's where some sevens don't see it. It is beneficial for them a lot of times in these relationships. They, they're not just in a bunch of friendships that don't bring something to the table, which is Onset seems like a really good thing, but sometimes you do need to be um, friendly because we also have to put a hand down to help bring people up, which sevens have a problem with. But self-preservation seven has to be careful because a lot of times they may not have those type of friendships because they're just focused on opportunities and moving forward. So some of their friendships could really be based on that. And from a personal standpoint, being self-preserved seven, I would say a lot of times my best friends are the ones who stuck around me, to be honest. I don't think it's because I necessarily completely sought them out. I, I think I did in some type of ways. I just don't realize it right now, but it was more or less like these people are going in pretty good directions. I'm going in pretty good directions. I think this person can really be a friend. I really like enjoy them, enjoy what they're trying to do. And then they also motivate. They also uplift me and inspire me. Cause I think as a self-preservation seven, I'm good at doing that for other people, but I don't know if we always get the same back necessarily. And so the people who are able to do that and who do stick around to be friends are the ones that are like really close to me and who have lasted through the test of time and have like rain on my inner circle. So that's part of the self-preservation seven. It's it, they're, they're collective of people. They collect certain people, um, a crew, and it's kind of what I definitely have. And so this seven, remember, they are super practical, whereas um, a lot of times the seven gets characterized as the super idealistic, positive, out of this world, can't believe that would ever work type of thing. Though this is inside of every seven, Self-pressed dominant sevens don't present like that. They are way more grounded. A lot of times, if you don't catch me necessarily in an excited state um, in groups and places, you would not think that um, I'm necessarily a seven until I start speaking or I get excited about something because I don't present naturally that way. And one of the reasons I don't present that way growing up is because a lot of times people don't take seven seriously because they're so fun, they're so funny, they're light, all these things. And some of the things the sevens do kind of contribute to that. But people don't take you seriously. And that is something that boils the blood of sevens is when you don't take them seriously. And it's understandable. So one thing I made sure to do is when I enter a room or somewhere where I needed to like really get a point across, I just don't bring my natural seven charm to at the beginning of it. I let it, I don't let it lead. I bring it out later after people see that I'm grounded. I've thought through things and I'm working through. 
So like that's actually very huge. So this seven is really kind of the opposite of the sexual seven, which we'll get to in a little bit because they are very in the clouds, very idealistic, very utopian, positive thinking. So we'll get to that real quick. When the passion of gluttony entangles with the instinct of the social, it turns into this insatiable appetite for pleasing or getting others to live um, and getting other people's lives to be healthy and being helpful in other people's lives. So it's this insatiable appetite for them to go out and help people and to really, really try to improve their lives. This seven is the counter type. This is where a lot of people get confused with the seven and the two because the counter type seven, dominant social seven, is actually looks like a two from the outside because they are mega helpful, super duper helpful. So this is a seven that knows gluttony as selfishness. And so this seven, instead of responding to gluttony in a way that I'm going to get my needs met immediately and I'm going to find a way, this seven does the opposite. They they feel that, oh my goodness, I'm going to be so selfish if I don't do this for other people. So they start to go outwards. Their response to it is to neglect themselves quite a bit to go help other people. And so this selfish tendency is to exploit others without always knowing it. And that's hard to say and it's hard to hear. But a part of it is sevens do get excited when about people sometimes when they can understand and hear their stories and feel their pain and all these different things. And that's the tricky part about the social seven. And it's because even though similar to a two in a sense, it's like for the seven, if your story is stimulating to them or you can draw on like the pain, the different things going on within somebody, it, it kind of, it scratches a stimulation or excitement. It's just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that. So that's so wonderful. I can, I can like absorb and understand and create space for you. But the tricky part is that sometimes the seven isn't necessarily listening and doing the things that are like for that person similar to the two. They're not listening and absorbing, um, working to help someone necessarily completely for the other person's sake. Sometimes the social two is trying to work out their own issues through someone else. And so the fact that they can get in touch with someone else's kind of pain and struggle and things that they struggle with kind of allows them to maybe not deal with their own. And that way they can just work on other people's pain and feel like, oh my goodness, I'm just really helping people. I'm doing well. I'm excited, you know, but it it just, it can help avoid actually dealing with their personal pain and struggle, which doesn't allow the social seven to truly grow when it comes to dealing with your own personal pain and growth. And so, like I said before, this seven goes against gluttony for the most part. And then they have, um, they get behind causes and they help other people. This is a, a big trait of them. They have this, this urge to really want to help other people. And, and I would say the difference between a seven and a social seven and maybe twos when they get excited about helping people is that the feeling is different. There is for the seven, the social seven or the seven when the social part is triggered, there is a mental stimulation and excitement about learning about someone's inner world or maybe what they're struggling with and going through. And I would say, I would say in high school, this is a, a part of me because I feel like I was like the counselor for my friends where it was like really interesting and fascinating to hear about all these different stories they had going on and maybe the struggles. It, it really excited me mentally to be able to go these spaces, but it didn't necessarily register in my heart necessarily. Not then. And since then, I'm very self-pressed now, Dominic, but 
uh, it didn't really register there. Whereas with the two, it's most likely going to register in their hearts when they're getting somebody's lives and they're working to help them. It's going to register more heavily in their hearts. But the seven's going to register more in their head and trying to like be stimulated there and figure out things going forward there instead of the heart. So there's a distinction there. Um, if you're a social seven or a two trying to figure out, am I seven? Am I two? That is a big distinction between them. Okay. So these seven social sevens usually choose careers that alleviate pain for others, which is cool. Um, because they want to be able to help people. They want to be able to join groups and collectives to alleviate pain in our world, which is absolutely great. And so. A lot of times what I was saying before is that social seven can project their pain out to others and try to get rid of it in other people. And so I know we talk about projection a little bit with the six. The seven projects their pain out in order not to really deal with it inside of their bodies because it's extremely uncomfortable when a seven has to deal with uncomfortable emotions and feelings, memories, past things that they don't want to acknowledge, hurts. Those things are extremely physically, like in the body, uncomfortable for a seven. And that's why it can be so hard for sevens to stay grounded in serious conversations. And so the social seven, how they deal with it is by not necessarily distracting to go to something else positive, but they try to go to other people and figure out their pain so that they can hopefully get rid of it in them. So hopefully it'll get rid of it in themselves. And so these, these sevens can be doctors, preachers, nurses, anything that usually helps alleviate it, they tend to like kind of go towards. They genuinely want to get rid of pain. They want to, they don't want people to feel it. They don't want themselves to feel it. Like I said, because there is literally a somatic stress almost when having to deal with a lot of uncomfortable pain and feelings. So you got to think about that from the inside. If you're not a seven, when those things happen, it is hard. And so they actually can. Some of their uh, idealism for the social seven is seeing a pain-free world. It's like, we could really be better if we just eliminate this pain or how people treat each other, how we do things, and maybe um, work with maybe the stuff you struggle with or your past trauma that you've had. Let's work through that. Let's get through that because we can work through that pain. We can actually truly be happy um, and enjoy ourselves in life. They feel that uh, to be selfish is taboo. So a lot of times the social seven is usually, I've found a lot, they are sexual or one-to-one repressed, meaning that they don't take care of themselves well. Because they see selfishness or self-centeredness as such a bad thing, that they they lack to take care of themselves in the feeling that I need to go out and help people so hard and I need to like sacrifice so that I can get rid of this pain and everything. So this seven really has to be careful about taking care of themselves and taking time they need to recuperate and grow. And so this seven, as we talked about, as being a um, helper, (laughs) a server, giving a lot. This seven is interesting because whereas the self-prayers and the sexual seven are the ones who are going to eat the most, because gluttony does come in the form of eating as well, and especially for the self-prayers seven, we get our eat on, not gonna lie. And so it also gravitates and works in that part of our lives too. But this seven actually can eat less than most people. So for instance, I know a seven, a really good friend who's a seven, who can cook out this world. He will cook, he will serve, he will like, he will throw all the hospitality you've ever seen in this world, have the best tasting food and be the complete last one to eat. And then sometimes 
And for him, it's usually not the eating thing, but he'll eat last and maybe what he'll really want may be gone and or he just may eat a little bit less sometimes. And so this seven does almost this sacrificial thing when it comes to themselves and treating themselves and rewarding themselves because they can see gluttony as such a bad thing that you go against. So really have to be aware of that social seven. Does your workplace stink because the culture sucks? Are you tired of tolerating people and wish you could all work together cohesively? Does going to work give you instant anxiety? If you say yes to any one of these, you should probably quit your job. But since you aren't going to quit your job, you should call Kaizen Careers. At Kaizen Careers, we are all about improving personal and workplace performance. We use a unique tool called the Enneagram. The Enneagram helps individuals and organizations become more self-aware. That self-awareness lends into helping organizations with communication, leadership, and conflict management, ultimately turning self-awareness into self-mastery and creating healthy workplace performance so you can improve your services and bottom line. You can reach Kaizen Careers at kaizencareers.com or 901-334-1644. Now, moving on to the the sexual one-to-one seven. Here we go. When the passion of gluttony entangles with the instinct of sexual, you get someone who is distracted or very excited about getting relationships and their ideas. So the sexual one-to-one, you have to remember they always are super passionate typically about something, but they can get really intense on whatever they their like number fixation is. And so sevens are super idealistic. They're super positive. And so this one is extremely positive. This one's extremely distracted by maybe ideas of what could be. And my nephew is this and it wears me out. So the sexual seven, the one to one seven is a dreamer, an idealist of what the world could be of what they could be and what could be created or designed. And so they live in an imaginary world instead of the real world. They really do. And and it can be very difficult for them to stay grounded Um, because remember, they're wired to think of better, greater, beyond these things that are just huge and um, very idealistic, but amazing at the same time. And so they see everything as better than it is. So all sevens can flip any situation to a positive situation. It's rationalization as part of the defense mechanism. If someone's getting them down, they can flip it real quick so that it doesn't turn, it doesn't get their mood down. So sevens really have to be aware of this, especially a sexual seven. So they see everything better than it is. You know, sometimes things may just be bad. And there's no flipping it. There's no necessarily, there may not even be learning from it. It's like, I can't even learn from the situation. It's just bad. And so accepting that is going to be huge. And so this seven wears the rose tinted uh, colored glasses, like, you know, everything they see. So you have to remember, it's just natural before they do the inner work. Everything they see is like, oh, we can flip that positive. And it's, it's just, it's instinctual. It's like, I'm just going to flip the positive. It's all good. So seeing the world through someone who is in love and blind. This is where, if you can really imagine how this seven sees the world. If you've ever been in love or in lust and blind to it and not really seeing the real markers that you were like, this is probably not a good decision or a good relationship, but I'm so excited right now. I just think this is the greatest thing ever. And so you miss all these things. You don't pay attention to them. Um, the real things that you really should be paying attention to. This is how this seven can see the world a lot of times. And it's this this um, extremely optimistic, positive uh, happiness that just permeates through all of their bodies in their minds. And so you have to, if you if you can ever remember a moment where you were like head over heels in love or in lust with somebody, this is how this, this seven sees the world, okay? 
So try to imagine, understand that. And so they're easy to hypnotize in a sense because they want to believe the best about everything, easily suggestible. So this is a seven that um, can be a little naive and um, not very reality oriented. So if you were selling something, some amazing product and it looked really good, or at least it looked like an amazing product, this seven, if they have the money, they're probably going to buy it. If you said everything positive it possibly could do and then figure out it can help me in all these different ways, awesome, it's going to be incredible, then this is going to be one of the things that they're going to be super excited by, for sure. And one example, it's like they're easily suggestible. One example is my nephew, who's a sexual seven, who wears me out because, um, first of all, it's super hard to talk about serious subjects with him without him either trying to make a joke or changing the topic. It's really, it's really hard for him to go there because it's very uncomfortable for him. And I have to be careful not to crush his bubble. As a seven, I understand the sevenness 110% for sure. I've been working with it for years. And so trying to bring him to a place of seriousness without busting his bubble and then like him feeling all some type of way and then being sad, it's a delicate balance I have to do. I have to do a good, bad, good. I have to like say something really good. Then I have to bring in the truth. The bad is not the truth, but like for him, it's going to feel bad. Then I just wrap it up in something good because it's going to be really helpful for him to actually absorb it um, and actually do something about it. So it's motivating at the same time. And so one example, is I, he, um, he called me the other day, matter of fact, and he was like, uncle, I have two football offers from two different colleges. They, they, they won't, you know, they want me to um, play football or sign something. I got college mail. And I was like, great in my mind. And I was really thinking about it. I was like, I don't know if you necessarily have the videos out there for people to want to sign football. I said, send me a picture of it. And he sends me a picture of it. And it's literally regular college mail. It just is from the University of Kentucky and like Ole Miss or something. And I was like, well, let's look at this. Did you read it? No, I just excited I got. It. I said, okay, go ahead and read it. And as he reads it, he starts to really realize that this is not an offer. This is basically saying, hey, we send this mail to everybody. If you are uh, interested, please apply and we can look at financial options. And so he was automatically, because he got that mail and he plays football, he thought he automatically had this exciting opportunity that just came his way. He didn't even read the paper. And I understand like skimming through stuff, but he didn't even read the paper. He was just so excited. And so that's one of the things he jumps to the extremely optimistic, what it could be great before really catching all the details and the reality of the situation. So that is one of the things that the seven does, the sexual seven. It is this extremely dreamy idea, idealism that they have, and they have to be aware of and to come back to reality a lot of times and really get in touch with reality and then blend that idealism with reality. And they come out with something beautiful, something people haven't thought of, and they're very visionary oriented. And they have something to truly work towards, not just filibustering or talking about some great idea, but to actually start to put action and work behind it. Hi, I'm super excited to tell you about a partnership I just joined in on. As an Enneagram coach, I understand the Enneagram helps in all different aspects of a person's life. A part of that journey can only be helped sometimes by someone outside of themselves, someone in the profession of counseling or therapy. So that's why I partner with BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp is basically a virtual way to contact and be in connection with counselors and therapists around the country. And at this time that we're going through socially being distant and a lot of being trapped in our houses or different things, even though it can be wonderful, 
A lot of times we may need to express something that's going on or things may be arising inside that we don't understand how to deal with. And so BetterHelp is a wonderful, affordable way to receive therapy and counseling in your home virtually. So if you are struggling, BetterHelp can help. You'll receive 10% off your first month when you sign on using betterhelp.com forward slash do it. That's D-O-I-T. So this information will be in the show notes, but this is a way if you do need some help, mental help and working through things, some emotional things, BetterHelp can definitely help. All right, growth time. So for Glutton, a seven, someone who has issues with gluttony, sobriety is going to be the virtue that they want to go towards. So to counteract the self-praised dominant sevens, gluttony is going to be owning self-interested motives and opportunistic tendency. This is tricky because like I said before, if you operate a certain way, you think that's just the way to operate until it comes to your awareness that, oh my goodness, maybe this is not the greatest way to operate. And in Western culture, it can be even harder because sometimes it says, this is okay way to operate if you're like really selfish and doing things just for you. And so the seven is so happy and excited about things, they don't really realize it until someone brings it to their attention or they like hurt someone and they someone's like, man, you're selfish. And you're like, what? I am? And it's like, oh, that kind of was selfish. You know, you may defend it at first, but then eventually you figure out like, hmm, that was kind of selfish, wasn't it? Dang it. I have an instance of that. I have a really good friend, Zara. She's been on the podcast a couple of times and we were leaving an Enneagram thing and she needed to go to the airport. And I have my car because I drove to this one. I was able to drive. It wasn't that far from where I live. I said, okay, it's a couple hours from where I had to drive. And she was like, do you want to can you take him to the airport? And I looked, I was like, ooh, and she's a two, so she can really sense what I'm probably really feeling at that time. And she said, you don't have to take him if you don't want to. It's totally fine. And inside, literally, this is that self-preservation seven. I did not want to take her to the airport. Like inside, I was like, I just want to go straight to where I'm going. That's kind of away from where I'm going. And she was like, you really don't. I'm not offended if you don't want to take me. That's totally fine. And I said, no, I am going to take you. You're a really good friend. And it's something that I would want someone to do for me if I was in this situation. So I'd have to spend more money to go get to an airport where my friends are here who could take me. And so that was just one instance of how it does work inside. Like inside, it was like, no, let's just go and do what we want to do and all this stuff. But that's very selfish and not even in like a way that's even remotely really helpful or beneficial to me. And it's not how I would want to be treated as well. So we have to notice these things and work on them. I did end up taking it to the airport, by the way, too. I had no regrets about doing it. I was like, yeah, you should have done that. Duh. And uh, so that's just one thing self-praise sevens. Be aware of owning self-interested motives and opportunistic tendencies. Ooh, it just, it just, it's just so easy to happen within the self-praise seven. Next, realizing how these self-interested behaviors can actually hurt relationships and larger goals. So here's the thing. A lot of times sevens, these sevens are good at connecting and building networks, but they don't necessarily develop them. Like it's just like sevens are really good at starting things. They're good initiators. They're good at really sparking things to go, ideas, brainstorming. But the issue is the follow through and the development of the whole thing. This self-prayer seven has to really work on that. And they have to realize that a lot of times those self-interested behaviors, though they may have started a relationship and it was kind of good or started something that was good, if you don't develop them, you're going to actually end up doing more damage in relationships and to your larger goals than actually going further. So make sure you definitely realize that. Next, also recognize how easy you downplay feelings as a habit to protect yourself. This seven really 
really has a way of downplaying their feelings because they're so practical, but it's really to protect themselves. So they are actually really guarded. A seven can be so excited, do so many things, and their guard is similar to not boundaries-wise like a five, but they're extremely guarded at the same time where you know a lot of excitement and good things that they're doing, but you don't really know them. You know all these positive things, yeah, but you don't really know them. So it also minimizes your relationship's depth and larger goals as well. Sevens definitely want to connect on a really deep level, which most people may not necessarily know, but the ego of the seven gets in the way a lot of times and them downplaying their feelings, it doesn't allow them to connect deeply with people consistently because there is this ego part of them that's like, no, I don't want to go there because that's uncomfortable. I get scared. I get hurt and all these things. And so the self-prayer seven has to really pay attention to how they downplay feelings because there's a spectrum of allowing people in a little bit more and actually being honest about your feelings, things that may not feel great without giving somebody the whole story of what happened or, you know, whatever you feel or whatever trauma you've been through. Um, Because I do find sevens have had, a lot of sevens I know have had like early trauma in life. So it's like making sure that you realize like, okay, I can still like communicate feelings, but without giving this person the whole story. Unless they're the people closest to you, then it's going to be important that you decide when and how you want to give those feelings to people. And that's all sevens, really, but especially self-prayed sevens, because it's not going to help you truly develop those deeper relationships and that depth that you really want. So you can feel held by somebody who really loves you. And it's not going to always help you to achieve some of your larger goals in life. All right, next, ways to counteract the social dominant seven. So first is being more conscious of your motives when helping people. Similar to the two, like I keep saying, you have got to be aware of when you're helping for yourself and not the other person. Um, because it is so easy for the seven to do that, to create the space to do these things because they're excited about learning about your story and your pain and your trauma and all the problems and everything. They love it. It's, oh my goodness, this is exciting. Oh my goodness. But in that time, are your motives uh, as a social seven to necessarily unconditionally really improve and help that person? Or is it more 50-50? Or is it really for you so you can be stimulated at this moment and be like, oh, okay, interesting. Um, and to try to deal with your pain through someone else. And so is it for that? So recognizing your own selfish motives is going to be important for the social seven. Check your gluttony, anti-gluttony polarity and see if it is really a cover up from some fear that you have uh, usually around uncomfortable feelings. And so remember, just because you go total opposite of what you feel may be bad may not always be good for you. I've seen this happen in a lot. And I think people do this a lot in life, in the world, is that when something we have been too far on the spectrum towards one thing, people go completely opposite. And that's not that's not good either. We need to find a balance, a healthy balance in the middle. So the social seven with gluttony and they go anti-gluttony going totally away from uh, anything dealing with like really like so-called selfishness, a part of that is actually exploring deeper within yourself these uncomfortable feelings that you're actually running from um, and not dealing with. So recognizing when inside you're actually doing that. And then the next thing is lean a little bit more towards selfishness because selfishness actually can allow you to take care of yourself better and dealing with fear and conflict. And so this can be tricky because, you know, we learned that selfishness in totality is just bad. It's not completely bad. Obviously, you don't want to be so selfish that you're not um, 
making sure you're in your community and doing things for other people and everything is all about you. But there is a degree or a spectrum of selfishness that needs to be done by everyone because you've got to take care of yourself if you want to be your best for other people. If not, you're not being your best. You're showing up halfway or 75% or 50% of yourself and probably maybe less if you're that far from being some type of selfish because you know, you deserve a reward. You deserve to be treated well. You deserve to be cared for. And you can't expect everyone else to do it. And you can't expect to do it for everyone else without making sure you do it for yourself. That's going to be very important. And so remember, the biggest part of it is dealing with fear and conflict, which can be troublesome and tricky for the seven. It doesn't always feel good. Watch your avoidance of conflict and your motives that may not be pure and good. You have to address them. And so it's like it's a foggy lens where you know, you your ego has, I'm, I'm going to say tricked you in a sense to believing that your motives and everything you're doing is pure and good. And so you avoid conflict and you avoid the real truth behind what you're doing or what you're trying to do. And so these are things you absolutely have to address as a social seven. If you see yourself as necessarily a good person or a nice person, there's a problem there because you're just a person. You have good and bad within you. Obviously, we want to do way more good to people in the world than anything. But categorizing yourself as a good person means that somehow in our minds, we have said that I am, I really don't attribute bad things to myself or things that aren't as healthy. And I don't necessarily do those things. So we want to be careful in that sense because there's just this balance. We want to do more good than bad or whatever, but we still have our struggles and the struggles are real. And so we have to make sure to identify and address them. Um, and so sometimes that means addressing conflict in our lives and that's internal conflict and external conflict for us. And it's realizing that even though, you know, I want to see myself as this really good person, I have some motives and ideas that aren't always positive, that aren't always good, that don't always have good outcomes and don't have really good motives sometimes. And it is what it is. Now, I don't have to act on it and I do have to address them and deal with it and flesh out why do I feel, think or want to act that way. But we just got to really address them to um, actually move past them. The next one, ways to counteract sexual dominant sevens. So first, you got to realize when you're residing in ideal land, okay, because it's super easy to go there. You already see the world in that way. You've got to realize when you're in ideal land versus the real world. And then you have to figure out why you are there in fantasy land. A lot of times for this seven, it is an avoidance of dealing with uncomfortable things in this world that may not be able to really flip positive and may just have to deal with. So you have to really be careful here. You have to realize that am I in fantasy world? Or am I in the real world? And what's the balance between them? And why do I keep going to fantasy uh, land and staying there? So you really have to pay attention to that. The next one is notice when you start to embellish and idealize. Very similar to the first one I said, which you've got to notice in your stories, when you're talking about opportunities, you're talking about people, you're talking about ideas, places you can go. You're going to have to notice, really start to listen to yourself and not just like, oh, but this is going to be so great. It's going to be so amazing because we're doing this and doing that and all these things. But really slow down and pay attention. If, are you embellishing details? Are you actually idealizing this? And it may not be the truth. A lot of times it is better to go in thinking less of the situation and you, you end up getting more out of it, expecting less and then getting more out of it. Because a lot of times for this seven, the idealized version of whatever they want, when they finally get that and if they get that, it doesn't 
equal out to the stimulation or the excitement or the amazingness they thought it was going to provide. So lowering those expectations, recognizing when you're embellishing and uh, idealizing is going to be very important to actually bringing you back to earth in the real world. Next, explore feelings and fears that you have that tend to send you into fantasy land. So here's the thing with the sexual seven. You are somehow sometimes going to fantasy land because you're avoiding feelings and fears. Okay. So these are things that this seven has to explore. And this can be tough. And I don't recommend you doing this for long periods of time, but check in into your stamina grows and your endurance grows for dealing with fear and uncomfortable emotions, which is a gambit of them. It can be anger. It can be pain. It can be sorrow. It can be hurt, all kinds of different feelings that we have before seven are very uncomfortable. So it's going to start by just exploring it. Even if you can go there for five, six, seven seconds and get out of fantasy land, it's going to help you so much to start to deal with the real world and what's going on inside of you. And that's going to help you be more grounded. When you're doing inner work, you become more grounded. You become more humble and your feet touch the ground a little bit more as sevens because you realize that the ego a lot of times is stretching you to not live in this real world and deal with real problems. And so you never really develop deep deep connections. Even though this this seven is really, sexual seven is really good at making, like connecting in relationships and being with people. They bring such a, a nice light buzz to everywhere that they go, a nice light energy of happiness everywhere they go. The issue is that those relationships are hardly ever that deep if they don't do some real work. And so for people who are listening who aren't sevens and sevens, there is a period of time during your inner work that you're going to be extremely sad. And it's going to show. And it may be a period of time. It may not just be like a momentary sadness. It may last a week. It may look kind of four-ish almost. It may last a couple of days. It may even last for some a month or more where it is literally just very, very sad. But that's a part of the growth. And it's part of dealing with it because a lot of times seven haven't, sevens haven't dealt with uncomfortable feelings and sadness and emotions that are uncomfortable for so long in fear. And oh my goodness, fear is so real for so long that when you do deal with sadness, it's just so much there. Uncomfortable feelings, it's just so much there. So you just have to make it through that portion of time. You know, you just have to kind of bear with yourself, be there, comfort, take care of yourself and help and be around the people who really love you, who want to help you and allow them to do that just to hold the space for you till you make it through. Uh, because that's where the true growth is. And there is happiness on the other side. All right. So that's all I have for this episode, which is quite a bit for the seven. I know sevens are usually waiting a lot. I understand at conferences and everything. They put us last to keep us, try to keep us focused and on task, I guess, as they go through every number except for us. So I want to give a little bit more for sure. Um, so if you still are struggling with your Enneagram type, I do Enneagram typing interviews. You can go to kaizencareers.com and Put in a um, book now request so that I can email you and we can talk about possibly scheduling an Enneagram typing interview so we can figure out not only your type if you're still a little confused and we can figure out your subtype, uh, which is great. And obviously, I give you a little information and this interview is absolutely great. I have not had an interview where I was not able to truly find someone's type. 
Um, especially, obviously, if they're actually trying to find their type. So it works out really well. We work together really well. Um, and it's fun. It's just really fun. And people really feel seen. And I love that part about it. And the next thing, I do have an online career coaching course now because I'm also a certified career course. It's called the Kaizen Clarity uh, Career Course. And so this course is all about making sure that you find clarity because I know as a seven, I struggle with sometimes clarity. And so I've created this course that has helped me find clarity, uh, creating a tool called the Kaizen Funnel. And so if you're interested in that, that you can go to kaizencareers.com forward slash clarity dash course. And you can go check that out uh, because that is going to help you provide you with clarity and build yourself towards career and not just career, but actually making decisions in life because it can be extremely tough for people to make decisions, especially sevens, because a lot of opportunities come their way, but it's choosing the top and the right opportunities to actually go and motivate and boost the dreams that they want to and not get distracted by everything out there, but choosing and being very straightforward about the things that they really want to achieve in life. Podcasting is not free for me. It does cost, but it is free to listeners. If you would like to support this podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash do it for the gram. Once again, that's patreon.com forward slash do it for the gram. You can donate $1 up to however much you can. The patron community, I'm steady working on building it and obviously offering more opportunity to the members in that community um, or they get things first or there's just discounts and a lot of different things I have coming up. That's where it's going to be at in the Patreon community that I have. Next, also, don't forget to subscribe. If you made it all the way through this seven episode and you have not subscribed to my podcast, come on now. This is one of those subscribe months. This is one of those moments you hit boop, that button on your phone or your computer that says, I need to subscribe to this real quick because I listen all the way through. Um, and then also, I am developing a YouTube page with my podcast and I'm going to start doing like a video podcast. I'm working on it. Actually, got some um, a little bit of new equipment behind it to help me um, actually make it look good. So if you go to YouTube, um, do it for the Grand Podcast. Please subscribe there as well. I'm building it. I'm super noob. So if you're like, man, he's got a lot of work to do. I do. And that's great. Um, but please subscribe because I'm trying to grow that as well. Um, and besides that, Sevens, if you feel your gluttony is about to make you act in a way that is unbecoming or not the best for you, take a deep breath, make a smart choice, and do it for the Gram, the Enneagram, of course. And I'll see you on the next episode. And I'm super excited for the next series. I have two series in mind. One's going to deal with what's going on in society right now, which is people say civil unrest, which is anti-racist work, whole lot of different words for it. But we all know what it is. It's chaotic and it's chaotic for black people and minorities. So uh, I'm going to do a little bit of education around that. And I'm also going to be doing Enneagram with um, a part two with Enneagram series of people of color, which I'm super excited about. We have some amazing guests who I'm fascinated. I learned from just the amazingness of them and their lives. So I'm super excited about that. And I'm super excited to share that with you on our next series. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day and enjoy yourself. Bye.